today we are celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God bless. Amen. You heard the song a while ago, and it was appropriate because he lives. We sang it this morning at the sunrise, sang it again here, uh, and I'm glad you did that. Um, did you pick up on that one verse in the song about holding the baby? I hope you did, mamas, right? Because uh, I, I want to give you the history of this song. You may not know this. I didn't know this. Um, uh, most of you do know Because He Lives, written by uh, Bill and Gloria Gaither. Um, and Gloria um, has written about the circumstances which led up to the writing of that timeless worship classic. I want you to hear in her own words uh, what was going on in her life and Bill's life at the time they wrote this. I'm a wife and a mother. It was in the middle of the upheaval in the 60s that we were expecting our third baby. The drug culture was in full swing. Existential thought had obviously saturated every area of our American thought. The cities were seething with racial tension, and the God is dead pronouncement had giggled its way all through our educational system. On the personal front, Bill and I were going through one of the most difficult times in our lives. Bill had been discouraged and physically exhausted by about mononucleosis, and in that weakened condition had little reserve to fight the psychological battle brought on by some external family problems. Someone whom we had cared about a great deal had hurled some accusations at us, and at the fellowship of believers, and at the whole idea of the existence of God. It was on New Year's Eve that I sat alone in the darkness and quiet of our living room, thinking about the world and our country and Bill's discouragement and the family problems and about our baby yet unborn. Who in their right mind would bring a child into a world like this? I thought. The world is so evil. Influences beyond our control are so strong. What will happen to this child? I can't quite explain what happened at that moment. But suddenly, I felt released from it all. The panic that had begun to build inside was gently dispelled by a reassuring presence that engulfed my life and drew my attention. Gradually, the fear left and the joy began to return. I knew I could have that baby and face the future with optimism and trust. It was the resurrection affirming itself in our lives once again. It was life conquering death in the regularity of my day. So when you hear that story and that backdrop, and we see a baby dedication taking place today on Resurrection Sunday, I just think, man, God is good because He lives. I can face tomorrow. My sermon today is because He lives. But I want to focus on not necessarily tomorrow, but the now of the resurrection. The now of the resurrection. You know, oftentimes when we talk about uh, salvation, we, we uh, oftentimes uh, talk about, um, even at, at Easter especially, a lot of times at Easter what we do is we'll focus on the cross, we'll focus on the past, right? And we should, that's where it took place. The death of Christ on that cruel cross as substitutionary atonement for you and I. He took the punishment you and I deserved upon himself. But too oftentimes, that's where we camp out. 
or uh, oftentimes when we think about or talk about uh, Easter, the Resurrection Sun Sunday, you know, uh, the resurrection is almost like a little exclamation mark at the end of the sentence. But sometimes we'll look to the future, and again, I, I can't wait for the Lord's return. And, and we should be excited about Christ's return if we know Him. If you don't know Him, that should scare you to death. So I want to give quite just sort of an overview of, of, of salvation in this sense. What we oftentimes talk about, and you've heard it mentioned here many times, we talk about justification. You see, what happened at the cross was a legal transaction. The wages of sin is death. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Every one of us, from the moment we're born into this world, we are born in sin because our mother and our father, Adam and Eve, sinned, transgressed against God's command. And because of that, death entered into the world. The curse entered into the world. And because you look and act just like your mom and daddy, I too look and act just like my mom and daddy. And guess what? We're brothers from the same mother, all right? Sisters from the same mister, all right? Because Adam and Eve are our parents. And because of that, the same sin nature that calls them to fall plagues us. And we need help. There's only one person who can help us, God. Religion is man trying to get to God. What can I do? You heard it mentioned earlier in, in testimony. Randall, you can't do anything. I hope I'm good enough. You can't be good enough. Going to church isn't going to save you. Now, we want you to come to church because you're going to hear the good news that will save you. Amen? But church, we ought to be going and taking the good news into the streets so that the lost man and our neighbors and co-workers can hear the good news. You see, justification is the judge dropping that gavel and saying, not guilty. If you've ever been in a courtroom, when that gavel falls and that not guilty plea is hurt, but that not guilty uh, has been rendered, case is over. It's done. And so when Jesus Christ died on that cross over 2,000 years ago, he said it is finished. God the Father justified anyone who puts their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Some have said a justification uh, is just as if I never sinned. I like that. Because see, when God sees you now, if you are in Christ Jesus, if you have been justified by Christ, it's just as if you've never sinned. He looks upon you in that day of judgment and he sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. Or you stand clothed in your own righteousness. And our own good deeds are filthy rags when compared to a perfect, holy being. I don't want to face God in the day of judgment in my own. I want to stand and face God in the day of judgment enrobed and hiding behind the cross of Calvary in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Justification. So justification removes the penalty of sin. God can say, not guilty, because there's been a substitutionary atonement. There's been someone who stepped in and paid our fine for us. That person's Jesus Christ. That happened in the past. But then we also know sanctification, this is, the, this is the deliverance from the power of sin. So Christ's death upon the cross, his burial, his resurrection, the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only justifies us in the sight of God the Father, but it also then begins a process in our life now. And the process is those who put their faith and hope in the finished work of Christ, we are being sanctified. We are under construction. We're at different legs of the race. Don't compare yourself to each other. Paul says that's being foolish. No, we look to Christ, the author and finisher of our faith and race. But we're in the sanctification process. And what the resurrection of Jesus Christ wants to do, it doesn't just want to justify us in the past. He also wants to deliver us Presently speaking, from the power of sin 
Sin's a powerful adversary, still active in the life of believers. Don't take my word for it. I just had breakfast over there, and they were chocolate-covered, cream-filled donuts. And I fell. Guilty. I did feel good about myself because Tammy only had one. With the biscuit and the grits and all. <laughs> it's confession, all right? But sin is just crouching like a lion, ready to pounce at any given moment. And we're reminded, none of us are immune. There go I, except for the grace of God. Sanctification, the power of, of, of sin uh, in our life, it's the present work of the resurrection. I want to talk a little bit more about that, uh, and that's where we'll kind of focus in a little later into the message. But then there's also the third part of salvation, if you will. It's glorification. So we've got what happened in the past at the cross, through the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, right? We know we were justified. And so the moment that you, by faith, repent of your sins and turn to Christ and you cry out to be saved, to be delivered, whosoever shall call upon his name shall be saved, and God justifies us. And then we begin the sanctification. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Amen? But we look forward because we know he lives, because we know he resurrected from the grave. We know he ascended into heaven, and we know that the angels told his followers there that watched him ascend into glory, into the sky with the angels. They said, what are you doing staring here, standing here staring up in the sky? Just as he went away, he will come again in like manner. Guys, <laughs> do you realize we are here today celebrating Resurrection Sunday because one day we're going to hear a trumpet. One day we're going to look out. And can you imagine the rush of people going outside, looking up into the air? Because one day at his second coming, every eye will see and everyone will know Christ is Lord of all. And one day we will be transposed into his presence. Glorification. These old bodies breaking down. Mm -mm. Glorified body. Amen. Hallelujah. Won't have to oil those knees anymore, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. It's a sweet sound of music. I know it is. Glorification. We're coming. It's, 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 it's going to happen. But too often times at, at Easter, what we do is we, we kind of just focus on uh, the, the cross alone, the death of Christ's atoning work for the sins of sinners, and the offering of forgiveness to whosoever will believe. And that's great, and we should. But I want to ask you this question today. The resurrection. Why is it important? I mean, why is it why is it important? Again, oftentimes we, we focus on the past, but I, I want to focus a little on the future. I, I want to focus on the present, but specifically the now. You've heard the phrase carpe diem. What does that mean? Seize the day. It literally means pluck the day. Seize the day. It was used by the Roman poet Horace to express the idea that we should enjoy life while we can. You know, the, uh, the, the recent years gone by, you know, YOLO was the big thing, right? What does YOLO mean? You only live once. <laughs> These are the phrases, right? I mean... They mean the same thing. This idea of, hey, you know, look at the slogans of, of advertisement, right? Got to have it now. You deserve a break today. You know, there's all this emphasis on the now. We live in a day where self-gratification, there's no delay. And it's killed our patience. I mean, we just got no attention span. Allison was telling the kids uh, last night how, you know, when she was younger, she used to actually enjoy watching the race 
with her dad. And one of the kids says, that's so boring. How can you sit for hours and just watch them go in a circle? Now, I know, settle down, Harold boys, I know. Racing's still good today. They go a lot faster than they did back then. But, you know, she made the comment, she said, well, back then, you know, <laughs> most of us know, you just had a few channels anyway. There wasn't a whole lot of ADD squirrel. You know, with a lot of distractions, right? I mean, everything now, man, it's like if you, in five seconds, you've you got to turn your attention somewhere else. You've got to look here. you got to look there. And, and, and so to sit and watch, you know, takes a little patience sometimes, right? We've, we've lost that ability. This idea of living the now. What does that look like for us as Christians? Because, see, I think... Christians, we need a little YOLO in our life. We need a little carpe diem, but not in the vein of that philosophy, but in a biblical understanding of the now. Because there's a reason you're here this morning and not in glory, right? There's a reason you're here today, and if you've not been justified by the good news of Jesus Christ, you've not come to that point of repentance and faith in Christ, then I pray today that the effectual call on your life, you will hear the Spirit of God saying, come. And you'll respond to that call. And the Spirit of God regenerate you into a saving faith and knowledge of who Christ is and that you will turn from your sins as a result to trust and walk by faith not by sight. But then there's a lot of Christians here today that they're just looking for tomorrow. Oh, Lord, come quickly, come quickly. And that's great. We want the Lord to come quickly. Absolutely, we do. These things are great. But what about the now? The resurrection of Jesus Christ has an impact upon you and I as believers now. What is that? So I want to talk to us this morning a little bit. I'm going to give you eight um, benefits of the resurrection of Christ. Eight benefits of the resurrection. This isn't something uh, new. Uh, I, I, this actually comes from an article that I was reading by Sean Lazar. And I, it just, this is, this is biblical info. I want to share the benefits of the resurrection. And then we're going to kind of go on the last point because this is where I really want the message to be focused upon uh, based upon uh, the study time I've had uh, in this understanding of the resurrection of now. Number one. Number one. The resurrection is evidence that Christianity is true. Paul said, look, if, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. So we're hopeless. If Christ did not rise from the dead, we're still sinners. We're still dead in our trespasses and sin. And we're the most, uh, to be most pitied. 1 Corinthians 15, 17. So one of the benefits of the resurrection is that it gives us evidence that Christianity is true. This is the one point that is at the core of our faith. And it's the one area that must be held to, and it's the one area that's the most easily defended. The tomb's empty. And the evidence, both biblical and uh, external biblical evidence, historical evidence, archaeological evidence, all the other evidence, even outside the Word of God, all scholars would at least give you this. Tomb's empty. What happened to the guy? Where's the body? And there's been many uh, sermons on Easter I've given here from this pulpit uh, on uh, some of those theories that have been uh, floated by non-believers and every one of them easily disposed of with a little study, with a little answer for those who might question. The resurrection also proves the believer will overcome death. The resurrection proves the believer will overcome death. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 
54 to 55 says, So when this corruptible, this body, has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? You see, because Christ went into the grave, Christ died. He was dead. He was buried. And three days later, he rose from the dead, never to die again. You see, his death proves he was 100% man. All of us in this room, unless the Lord returns today, will die physically because we're man, we're human. But also we see that because he laid down his life and he took it up, he's 100% God. He is fully God and he's fully man. And that's the bridge that joins us. He's the only one that can bridge the gap when that time comes to cross into eternity. Thankful for the scouts. Another good uh, dedication, bridge dedication, took place out here uh, yesterday. A young man uh, by the name of Aiden and uh, was out here hard at work and, and Isaac and his family. A lot of good work has gone on. Those bridges take you from one side to another. Christ Jesus is our bridge. Amen? And he's the only way. The resurrection helps you grieve differently. Randall just testified of the home going of his mother. Those of us who've, who've lost loved ones, we know the pain and the grief. And some of us who've lost loved ones who aren't sure of whether or not they knew Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's a different type of hurt. It's a different type of grieving. To not have the certainty of did my loved one know Christ. But for us as believers, the resurrection helps us grieve differently. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, hear what the Word of God says. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who've fallen asleep, those who've died, not those here in the sermon today. Um, <laughs> anyway. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who've fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. You see, an unbelieving world doesn't have the hope you and I have. Can I encourage you today, if you have a lost loved one that knew Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you're going to see them again one day if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior. How exciting is that going to be? Because your loved one's already gone ahead. They know what's coming. They know that one day you're going to cross through and, and your eye is going to see something you have never imagined, could never imagine. Scripture tells us that, that heaven is such a glorious place in the presence of Almighty God that no, uh, no one can comprehend of this side of glory what awaits you and I in that bliss. And oh, that family member, that loved one, that friend is waiting. why the angels rejoice in the presence of God when one sinner repents. That's why Christ endured the suffering and the shame of the cross for the joy set before Him. Oh, Father, return to me the glory you and I had before. What that's going to be like. You see, we're able to, to grieve differently. When you know Christ, when you know your family member who's passed knows Christ, you don't grieve the same way as the world does. And I'm telling you, I've done a lot of funerals in my day. And there's nothing more tragic to hear the wailing, the deep soul from the pit of, the, of their being, the wailing of a lost loved one who didn't know Christ. It's a sound I'll never lose. And I shouldn't. Because we have a mission to share the good news of Christ. The resurrection of now influences us in how we grieve today. It's what helps steady us in these moments of hard times and the days that follow. 
It's where we anchor our hope. You see, the resurrection gives me that hope now. It's not something I have to wait for. It's not something I have to look for. It's something I can find comfort in now. And I can therefore comfort one another with these words, right? That's the now of the resurrection. Do you see this, church? Do you understand? This is the now. We also see the resurrection guarantees you eternal life. Christ kept His word. He can't lie. The resurrection guarantees that you uh, guarantees your resurrection. First Thessalonians four fourteen. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus, those who die in Christ. We have this hope. We also see. The resurrection guarantees your resurrection. Jesus is the first fruits, right? When you plant a crop, I've been working in my garden, hoping I'm going <laughs> to have something this year. Um, we'll see. Stay tuned. Um, but there's nothing like those first fruits that come up, right? Christ is that first fruit of many to come. There's coming a resurrection day. Amen? And so the resurrection guarantees that uh, you and I will experience that resurrection. Uh, The resurrection guarantees that uh, you will have an imperishable, glorified body. For our citizenship is in heaven, Philippians 3.20. Listen to this text. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He is able to even subdue all things to Himself. You see, our citizenship is in heaven. And yes, we currently, present tensely, eagerly wait, but we know when He comes, our bodies will be transformed conform to His glorious body. You know, last week we talked about um, the refiner's fire. You remember that? And the launderer's soap. And I didn't talk about this then. I should have. I wish I would have. This is a very powerful point. I was reminded this week in my study. That same word, launderer's soap, you know, it talked about this white garment, right? Um, Do you know when that word is used also in the text? You remember the the Mount of Transfiguration? Now you think about this. Uh, There's uh, and some people have have oftentimes misunderstood, misread this interpretation uh, 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 where where it talks in Matthew, where you know some of you will not taste of death until you see the kingdom of God in His glory, right? And so oftentimes, you know, we've had these theories. Well, because again, when they go to the Mount Transfiguration, who's there with them? There's two two former folk. Who's there? Moses and Elijah, right? And you got Peter and John and these guys. And, and, and what happens? It says in that moment that he, the, he's transfigured in their presence. They see Jesus talking to Elijah and Moses. By the way, he's the God of the living, not the God of the dead, because Elijah and Moses are alive in the presence of God and in the kingdom of God. And guess what just poured back in the veil and transfigured? They got a glimpse of the kingdom and that's why Peter is so like, oh, my soul, we need to build a temple in this place. We need, to, we need to worship here. This is glorious. They caught a glimpse of the radiant and the word there, the white garment. It was so bright. It's that, that same type of the launderer's soap. So, so again, guys, newsflash for us. The moment you and I are born again, we are born into the presence and to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God indwells our hearts because Christ indwells our hearts. That's why he talks about when you were crucified with Christ, you were buried in the death of Christ, you're also raised with Him. And Ephesians talks about we are seated at the right hand of God in the heavenlies. 
There's coming a day when the veil is going to peel back and that kingdom will come physically. There's a millennial kingdom that will be here on the earth, but there's going to be a reveal party coming out of the glory of God. And the resurrection guarantees that you will have an imperishable glorified body. You're going to shine bright. Some of y'all shining already. I love it. Let it shine, let it shine. Woo. All right. What else we got? All right, we're getting there. The resurrection means Jesus intercedes for you. Now, this is the now. You know you have a, a, an accuser? The devil accuses you and I day and night. Revelation says, he accuses the brethren day and night. Aren't you glad you got an advocate with the Father? Christ is our lawyer defending our case. And you can rest assured he's got it under control. Some of you may be facing accusations today. The battle belongs to the Lord. One day everything will be brought into the light. And, and, and you know what? You can rest in that. It's hard. I know it's hard. Trust me, I know. If anybody knows, there's nothing worse than, than having mud thrown at you that, that doesn't need to be thrown at you. But can I remind you, Christ was brought before a tribunal and there were hired liars to come in and throw mud at him and say slanderous things against the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to taint, to try and, because they were getting paid, but, but to try and taint his testimony. And Christ stood up and defended himself and shot them all down and told them off and, no. This is one thing that, I wish, Lord, help me. Uh, be careful what I say and pray, right? Because you get those opportunities. <laughs> he didn't open his mouth. He didn't revile in return. He's truth incarnate. He's the one who spoke and worlds leaped into existence. Can you imagine what, had he spoke, what he could have said? But he didn't. Christ knows what you're going through. And he's interceding for you now. He's defending your case. Trust him. That's part of the now of resurrection, isn't it? The now. The Lord knows. Number eight, the resurrection motivates you to put away sin and live holy lives. This is where I want us to camp for a few minutes. Because, see, when we talked about justification and the cross, death, burial, resurrection of Christ removes the penalty of sin, the past, justification. Sanctification is the power of God at work in our life currently to remove present, present tense sins in our life, presently speaking. Because you and I, when we're in this world, we're still battling with the flesh. And we're still struggling with sins that trip us. None of us have arrived, guys. None of us. Start right here, the pulpit. Well, I know that's right. Well, hallelujah, amen, brother. You ain't no prize either. But I'm thankful. Christ's sacrifice is sufficient. Now pray for me. I'll get over this issue that's, that's, that's bothering you and struggling, and I'm struggling with. You know? Stop shooting the wounded and kicking them when they're down. The only time you should look down on another brother is when you're helping them up. So, the resurrection should motivate us to put away sin and live holy lives. Listen to what Romans 6, 4 says. Therefore, 
we were buried with him through baptism into death. It's a spiritual union. Okay, When we receive Christ, we're spiritually grafted into the body of Christ. We are baptized into the spirit of Christ. This isn't something you get later. Okay, The resurrection, notice what happened. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. This is why when we do our baptism services, one of the things you'll hear pastors say is, buried in the likeness of his death, raised... To what? Walk in newness of life. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. If you have been baptized into Christ, in other words, if, if you have repented of your sins and believed upon Christ, you have received the Holy Spirit of God, you are sealed until the day of redemption. And the Spirit of Christ, the resurrected power of Christ, now dwells in me, now dwells in you, and enables you and I to walk in newness of life. There's a reason why Jeremy Varner has repented because the Spirit of God gripped a hold of my heart and said, stop with the pornography, stop with the riotous living, stop with the drunkenness, stop with the immorality, the promiscuity, stop with the lying, stop with the stealing, stop with the thieving, stop with the adultery, stop with all of those sins that are sending you to hell and turn to me and I will cleanse you and make you white as snow. And the grace of God delivered me from hell and has moved me from darkness into light. Hallelujah. I can see for the first time what this is really about. And he saved me from, so that repentance, turning from, always means I'm turning to. I'm turning to something new. And so it's a new way of living. It's a new way of walking. And no, I've not arrived. I've not figured it out. I'm still like you. I'm a human under construction. I'm just a lot more visible up front to be seen. But by the grace of God, mm, help me, Lord. I am trying to walk because I know that's life. That's death. And the gospel of Christ and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection power of Christ that raised him from the dead is raising you and me from the dead. And so the resurrection should motivate us to put away sin. That's why you find throughout the New Testament, he talks about lay aside those sins that trip you so you can run the race freer. Put off the old and put on the new. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things passing away. Behold, all things are becoming new. And that's for all of us who are believers. And that's why we show grace upon grace upon grace. This reminds us that we have been united with Christ. This is the now of the resurrection. You see, we have been united with Christ in his resurrection so that we walk in newness of life. The resurrection is not just something we celebrate on Easter Sunday. I want you to understand the, the now power of the resurrection that is now at work in you. And if you will allow the Spirit of God and the power of God to be at work to chip away those rough edges, we can now be free to go in that direction. I couldn't go in that direction before. I was in chains. I was in bondage. But once those bondage is broke free, I choose to stay in my prison. You choose. No, I don't, I don't. Yes, you do. If you have been set free, His grace is sufficient. 
Now, again, that doesn't mean we don't struggle. Of course we struggle. But I'm going to believe God's word over my experience and your experience every time. Because God cannot lie. And we've all experienced in some areas of our life, we recognize there's certain strongholds that the scripture talks about, says there are some strongholds, and these things are difficult to get out of your life, guys. That's why they're called strongholds. And they affect usually every area of your life. They're usually deep, deep issues. And the only way to get those out is to, again, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And allow him to do the surgery in that deep area that is such a difficult place to let go or surrender. Or to realize you're free. You know, oftentimes they would take the elephants, you know, and they, they, they put the rope on their foot, right? And, and, and they get this mindset they can't go anywhere. And then you can remove that and the elephant stays. Because he's so been trained. And so of us, so many of us have been trained by the sin and the slavery that we were in and bondage and the beatdowns and the verbal abuse and the other things that have kept us suppressed or wherever, not recognizing that we need to walk in newness of life. First Peter 1.3 says, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Romans 6, 4 through 14, and I'm just going to kind of jump around at, at, at the gist and the point of this passage. You'll see it here. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Since Christ was raised from the dead... He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. That's why I know we have resurrection power, presently speaking, over the power of sin in our life. Because he lives. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God in the same way. Here's what the scripture says. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. Are you counting yourself dead to sin this morning? Or are you playing with that stinky carcass? Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. If I continue to cave in to the chocolate-covered donuts every single day, multiple times throughout the day, I'm going to be in trouble. I know my temptations. And I promise you I will not be able to run the race. Well at all. That's maybe it's the donut race they do down in Raleigh, which I just, oh, that's just sick to even watch. Some of y'all, some of y'all have done that. Don't raise your hand. I'm sure it was fun on the first mile. <laughs> anyway. Notice Ephesians 2. Again, just going to kind of give you the gist here, but if you want to look it up, write it down, read it later. Ephesians 2, 4 to 10. God made us alive with Christ. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, creating us in Christ Jesus to do good works. You see, that's why you and I aren't able to do anything that we do in the power of Christ. Anything that counts for glory will be done in his power. Not my power, not your power, his power. But he's enabled us to do that. He's given us to do that. Notice if you would, Colossians 3, 1. And FF is just sort of, hey, the rest of it. How about that? Since you have been raised with Christ. Notice this. If you're a believer here today, he's talking to you and me. Listen closely. Since 
you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. You know what your chocolate donut is. <laughs> I don't. We got to kill it. We got to slay it. That's what we got to do. We got to slay that dragon. And God's given you the armor, the ability, the power to do it. It's not easy. It's a fight. But the battle's won. You are operating from victory. Because our Lord is the victor. Well, let's wrap this up. Conclusion. Over 300 verses are concerned with the subject of Jesus' resurrection. Think about that. Over 300 verses concerned with the subject of Jesus' resurrection. And that's just in the New Testament. We're told that this event is a sign for unbelievers. Matthew 12, John 20. As well as the answer for the believer's doubt. You're here today as a believer, but you have doubt. Subject to the resurrection helps. See Luke 24, 38 to 43. It serves as the guarantee that Jesus' teachings are true. Acts 2, 22, 1 Corinthians 15. And it's the center of the gospel itself. Romans 4, Romans 10, again, 1 Corinthians 15. Further, the resurrection is the impetus for evangelism. Matthew 28, Acts 10. The key indication of the believer's daily power to live the Christian life. Romans 6, Romans 8, Philippians 3. And the reason for the total commitment of our lives, Romans 7, 1 Corinthians 15. The resurrection even addresses the fear of death. John 11, 1 Corinthians 15, Hebrews 2. And is related to the second coming of Jesus, Acts 1, Revelation 1. Lastly, this event is a model of the Christian's resurrection from the dead. Acts 4, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Thessalonians 4. And provides a foretaste of heaven for the believer. Philippians 3, 1 Peter. Gary Habermas and J.P. Moreland um, write more about this in their book, Immortality, The Other Side of Death. Um, and, and that's an excerpt from, from page 245. Again, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is more than a past event, more than a future event. It's the now event that should govern and guide our hearts and lives. When you think about it, it's the now of the resurrection. You see, because he lives, not only can we face tomorrow, but we can live today. The now of the resurrection is so you and I can live out our new life in Christ, in his power over sin in our life. Sanctification begins with God's transferring a person from the reign of sin in Adam to the reign of grace in Christ. Did you get that? Hear that again. Sanctification begins with God's transferring a person from the reign of sin to the reign of grace in Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's a number of passages of Scripture that I could continue to, to go on and on that, that reiterate the truth and how the truth shall make you free. And if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. But I want to ask this question to close it out. Do you know Him today? Do you know Him today and the power of His resurrection personally in your life? Are you experiencing the resurrection power in your life? Is there death in your life that's resulting in new life? Is this what Christ is desiring to do in you and through you? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Do you believe him today? And if you don't know him, we invite you today to repent and believe in Jesus Christ. He will redeem you from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and one day the presence of sin. If you will only trust and believe. We invite you to do that today. But more importantly, if the Spirit of God is inviting you to do that today, turn to Him, and He will save you. And church, those who are believers, let's begin living in the now of the resurrection. Because he lives, we can. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. Tammy, I'm going to ask if you would, please, come and play. Lord, it's Resurrection Sunday. And no doubt, we would have those here today that maybe don't know Christ, maybe they've never repented of their sin and put their faith and trust in Christ, and perhaps today in the teaching of your word, the word of God has gone out unhindered and the spirit of God is driving the truth home. And there's maybe there's someone here or somebody watching online that, that knows, today's my day of salvation. And today's the day to turn from my sin and turn to the Savior. And so if that's you and the Spirit of God is dealing with your heart right where you're at, all you got to do is call upon the name of the Lord. There's no other name given under heaven amongst men by which to be saved. Christ is the only way. He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. And He offers you an invitation. Whosoever will, let them come. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to come forward. I'm asking you to get your heart right with God. That's all I'm asking. And you know if your heart's not right with God. And so that's, that's what we're going to do in this closing moment. And for believers, maybe there's some things in your heart and life that aren't right. 
I'm going to ask you to die in this moment to self. I'm going to let the power of Christ resurrect you in whatever it is that's keeping you down. Whatever is keeping you from walking in newness of life, it's time to lay it at the foot of the cross and experience the resurrection power in your life. Let's sit quiet for a moment and you deal with God as Tammy plays and ask God to do what only God can do. that they would make it known confession is made with the mouth unto salvation it's not something we should hide it's something that we should be public with Paul said I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation and so Lord if there's someone here today that maybe is calling upon Christ to save their soul to turn their life from darkness into light Lord, I pray that they would come to me and, and, and just say, Preacher, today I, I, I did that. Today I asked Christ to save me. I want to pray with you, pray for you. Um, I won't embarrass you here. Like I said, I, I just I want to know I, I might be able to intercede and pray. Walk in that newness of life, minute by minute, hour by hour. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here today and to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow, but we can live today. We will give you the praise as we ask it in the name above all names, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Before you start to wrestle away, uh, we got one last thing. Uh, we have some new members planning to join today. So if you've completed the new members class and you would like to join today, we're going to give you that opportunity. If you would, come on down front real quick. And uh, we would like to go ahead and, and, and get you uh, official as new members of, of CBC. Come on down, if you would, please. Here, Bob, if you will stand right there. Mr. Bob, if you will stand right here and, and face this motley-looking crew out here. They don't bite. They've been known to throw things sometimes. But um, So excited again about these. Uh, it's been a while. The last time, I think, COVID hit, and, and, uh, and there was some out of town and moving. Anyway, we finally got this thing together, and I'm excited about uh, the opportunity of presenting them today. They have completed the new members class. And I will ask uh, Samantha and Jeremy, um, also a.k.a. JJ, and uh, you, you can meet their kids. They'll give you the rundown of all the kids' names. Then we got Bob Shoemake right here, and uh, he needs no introduction. Y'all know who this fella is. But um, I, I'm going to ask you guys come today professing that you know Christ is your Lord and Savior, correct? Yes. Okay. How about you, Bob? Yes. Amen. I have read their testimonies, heard their testimonies. I invite you to hear their testimonies. It's good. Uh, what God has done in their life to save them. And uh, so based upon your profession of faith, they've also completed the new members course. And so it's a great privilege that I recommend them to Community Baptist Church.
to become official church members of CBC. All members in favor, say amen. amen. Any opposed? I didn't think so. Welcome, guys. Give them a hand, guys. Appreciate y'all. I'm going to ask if y'all would go ahead and head back out. And if y'all want to grab your kids, and, and, and they're going to be in the hallway. If y'all would kind of hang, let folks greet you and welcome you with the right hand of fellowship. Uh, we don't believe in giving the brethren the holy kiss, so don't be trying to smooch. But uh, if you would, uh, let them know you're thankful they're part of the family of God. Guys, it's great seeing you here this Sunday. Everyone visiting, come back. And Lord willing, um, I will see you. Lord willing, maybe seven weeks, maybe sooner, pray for me. I'm praying for you, and you are my family. I love you, and um, I look forward to my soon return. And hopefully you'll get a better pastor when he gets back. Amen? Dismiss. <laughs>